Saturday, August 21st, 2021, Day 7, Part B, 2.47 p.m. I've been at the beach for the past few hours with my volleyball friends, but I only played three games today because I was still feeling some dizziness again. I've been studying three factors that could be at play here. One, food and hydration. Two, hormone shifts. Three, sinus issues. On Thursday, I thought the issue was number one, but since it happened today too, I don't think that's the case. And I hydrate with electrolytes like a mofo during beach volleyball. And then I thought it was number two, and that could still be the player. Is there some kind of hormone shift when moving into my ovulatory phase that could cause this? I don't know. I think number three, sinus stuff, is most likely the culprit. I've been having ongoing sinus issues for the past four years or so for medically unknown reasons. I started using a new nasal spray this year, and when I tried it again last evening, I couldn't believe how much clearer my head felt. So that's my leading theory. Well, mm, however, I've started to have issues with vertigo, I think, which has to do with the crystals in my ears getting shaken loose or being out of alignment or something like that. My dad's had issues with this, so maybe I should look that up. Because that totally sounds like a woo-woo Southern California kind of made-up thing. But apparently, it's a legit medical thing that can lead to vertigo and can be pretty easily addressed. Like with head tilt exercises, not using rose quartz on my chakras to balance my energy and heal my health issues. Anyway, dizziness does not equal sexiness or a good space to cultivate sexual energy, alas. 1.05 p.m. I stopped by a volleyball tournament on my bike ride back to watch a friend play a bit. And then I started chatting with a guy there, a dad with two young kids who were wearing adorable outfits in a kind of tent playpen. I just commented on their outfits and he shared about how they sometimes fight over who gets to wear the adorable hat. And then we chatted a bit about the volleyball tournament. I like this feeling of having put myself out there socially this week, of being able to strike up short yet meaningful conversations with strangers. I ask a question, I show interest in something in their life or that matters to them, and then I learn something new or I have a sweet conversation. It's a nice way to be able to move through the world with the belief that this kind of, what I like to call everyday intimacy, is possible. And by intimacy, I just mean raw, real, present connections with people. I mean, most people are a pain in the ass, but most people also want to be good people and be kind people. And everyone has a life and knowledge that's different than my own. This kind of openness feels very connected to my journey this week. 1.43 p.m. I stopped for lunch at a boardwalk restaurant. Oh, the boardwalk here is a cement walkway, not a legit boardwalk like down the shore. And that references for my Malvern and Northeast listeners. I'm writing about this challenge in my sparkly notebook and on my iPad right now while I eat my tacos. I told you I had tacos on the brain. I just had a delightful conversation with a woman from Michigan who was in Pacific Beach visiting her daughter, who was a waitress at the restaurant we're dining in. She was in line for the restroom and started talking to me, asking what I was writing about and asking if I was local or a visitor. I asked her about cultural differences between Michigan and San Diego and how her daughter likes it here. She even offered to watch my stuff if I needed to use the restroom, which I totally did. Again, I'm struck by just how nice it is to find other people who are open to short conversations and expressions of kindness as I move through my day. 2.06 p.m. 
I'm thinking about how there are things like cuddle parties and tantric pujas or finding an oming partner, let alone actual sex parties, that would be helpful experiences in terms of kicking my sexual energy into gear. I know folks who host things like this and teach workshops around them, and these folks start their events with conversations and interactive activities around consent, communication, how a maybe means a no, and a no means a no, and you can't assume any touching is okay without permission, etc. But... With the Delta variant of COVID, things like that, that were starting to come back this summer, once again on hold. And if you're curious about what those things are that I just mentioned, I'll explain them a bit. Cuddle parties are gatherings where boundaries and consent are discussed and people cuddle with others or don't based on how they feel and what's of interest to them. It's based on the idea of the importance of physical touch for humans and how it can be hard to get that outside of a romantic relationship. A puja, P-U-J-A, is a tantra gathering, and tantra meaning that it's a kind of spiritual sexuality that's been adopted and adapted from some ancient Indian practices. A puja is often about playing with emotional connection, communication, openness, sexual energy, and some physical touching, but not sexual touching. It's been years since I've gone to one, but they were always fascinating experiences where the activities facilitated us dropping our walls of protection and armor and being vulnerable with strangers. I was always in awe of how beautiful each human looks when we show up like that. For example, there are activities of eye gazing with a stranger for a few minutes and then shifting to the next person in the circle. Or sitting and sharing back and forth what intimacy means to us, again, with a stranger. I've done versions of these where I've attended with a boyfriend as well. They're quite beautiful experiences of raw human intimacy, even with strangers. Again, it's this theme of our capacity to have meaningful and kind and real connections with other humans that we don't even know that I seem to keep circling back to this week. I really think it's such a beautiful thing. So oming, O-M-I-N-G, orgasmic meditation, is a technique made popular by San Francisco's Nicole Daydone and her One Taste organization. At its most basic, this oming is when a woman is naked from the waist down and lays down on the ground with pillows around her and her knees bent, while a man, sometimes someone who she barely knows, stays totally clothed and sits next to her crotch, oops, (laughs) there's that word again, and shares initially a factual observation about her vulva. For example, I see that your vulva is pink and it looks light purple. Then puts lube on his fingers while his thumb rests at the entrance of her vagina. And then he rubs her clit for something around 13 minutes. And then they can check in for feedback, and she can give feedback, always phrased in a non-judgmental, factual way. When the clit rubbing is done, then they both share one frame of experience. For example, when I asked you to go faster and you did, I felt a jolt of electricity through my groin. And then they put their clothes on and move on with their days. Doesn't matter if you orgasm or not, it's just supposed to be focused on slowing down, safety, trust, and pleasure. Some women have multiple own partners they see for short periods of time, several times a week, and there are also gatherings around it. Although I'm not sure if that's still happening because there was this whole like FBI investigation and it might have just shut all that shit down. 
Anyway, it's been a while since I've done it, so don't hold me to the exact details, but I'm pretty sure that's pretty accurate. And it sounds nutty, but it can be incredibly empowering for women in learning to just receive pleasure and overcome shame around their genitals and receiving pleasure. It can also be a great way to build trust in men and normalize sexual topics and body parts. Although there are versions of women uh, performing this on women. Anyway, unfortunately, none of these things were a part of my week, although they definitely would have been helpful for opening sexual energy with others in an emotionally safer way. So I guess I'll just have to wait until the next time I do this seven-day sexual energy challenge. Ha! (laughs) 3.37 p.m. I'm finally having a phone date with the humor guy. Okay, he's good at asking questions. And we have some interests in common, talking about a recent book that we both read, some socio-political conversations. We're talking about living in Southern California, and he has some interesting stories, although we do live a few hours apart from each other. But what the fuck? He seems so serious. We're having very serious, sobering conversations. Like, there's, there's no laughter. This is so fucking weird. Where's the humor and the joking? And now I feel like I'm kind of being over the top with trying to be funny or making silly jokes just to bring some lightness to this. Like, I'm being the weird one now. I knew something was off here, but I still don't get what's going on. (sighs) The conversation isn't bad at all, but I just don't think there's enough here to warrant one or both of us having to drive a long distance to be able to meet in person and try something. All right, next 4.37 p.m. I'm getting dressed for my night out. I just put on a bright orangey-red dress that's nicer than my normal summer dresses and paired it with a pair of wedge sandal heels. I dug deep into the back of one of my bathroom cabinets to find fun accoutrements from long ago when I used to go clubbing with girlfriends, and I found some stuff. So I'm putting on some sparkly lotion on my legs and sparkly powder on my décollage area. And... I just sprayed myself with pheromones, which frankly has to be bullshit. But if it makes me feel more attractive and confident, then it works. Jeez, I haven't done any of this stuff in years, even probably a few years before COVID times. It does seem like overkill and totally unnecessary, but it is kind of fun. 4.51 p.m. I'm going to read five minutes of erotica from a book of short stories called Best of Best Women's Erotica. This is something I often recommend to my female clients who are in an otherwise happy marriage or relationship, but just don't feel much sexual desire anymore. I say read five minutes of erotica every day to get your head in that space, to feel sexual and turned on, and attuned to what that feels like in your body. His breath quickened and he turned to face me. Silently, I slipped out of my robe, letting it puddle around my feet on the floor. He took a step towards me, lifting his t-shirt off his body. His eyes traveled over me, lingering on each curve for that seductive second that makes one's blood boil. His mouth pressed down upon mine, his lips were strong, and his hand held the back of my neck. My fingers groped with the buttons of his jeans releasing his cock so that it sprang out hard as a rod. <laughs> Tee-hee. 
He stepped out of his jeans and bent his neck until his mouth was on my tit, his warm tongue licking over my nipple. His fingers almost vicariously grabbed a handful of flesh. He lifted me up, settling my pussy on his cock. I was tight for his entrance, his hands grabbing onto my ass as he lifted and lowered me. I wrapped my long legs around his waist and twisted my fingers through his hair. He pounded into me, thrusting and pumping, fucking me hard and fast. I began to moan. Whew. All right. Uh, <laughs> that gets the juices flowing. Sexual energy wide open. 5.14 p.m. Okay, I'm working on trying to look and feel sexy tonight and thinking about that while I'm walking to meet my friend Jessica. And thinking about that helps me slow down when walking, just like channeling the elegance last night. And it's making me swing my hips a bit more, which doesn't feel bad. It's kind of fun. This is totally Tully Hart. Some guy walking his dog actually just said hello to me. So that's something. And you know what? This whole thing is certainly making me walk with better posture. So that's good. 10.31 p.m. Oh, I had such a great evening out with Jessica. And we were joking a lot about shooting lasers from our vaginas. Pachoo! Pachoo! I told her the thoughts I put into getting dressed for this evening. And also about how I don't have lingerie or matching underwear and I just don't care about those things anymore. But I'm not sure how much that comes from practicality, laziness, or femininity rebellion. And she asked, well, how do you feel? And I said how I thought that the outdoor bar with live music place that we were at was going to be a nicer place, and it was more casual than I thought. So I stood out there in my attire and presentation of self, and I felt a little weird. And she replied, no, you look beautiful. And that really stood out to me. I don't know. It just meant a lot to me. When was the last time someone told me that I looked really beautiful in a really genuine way? It was really meaningful. When I first mentioned sexual archetype to her and this challenge, she was thinking that that meant who do I want to be with versus the question of who do I want to be. And that kind of blew her mind that you could even ask a question like that and consider making choices around that. She voiced how this level of awareness and agency, choice, permission, and empowerment is so unique, but so important. She shared about how she was taught to be a good girl and to look nice for others, and that her appearance and presentation and sexuality were always for others and playing a role for them. And for her, her adulthood and personal growth has been a process trying to figure out who she actually is, not just for others, and she's still in this ongoing process. Because she learned from an early age that if her body was perceived as sexy to the teen boys, it was her fault and that she had to change something. So she learned that her womanly figure attracted the wrong kind of attention and that it was inappropriate of her. How she was being perceived wasn't anyone else's responsibility. It was only hers. And she was judged for that even sent home from a teenage job once for dressing like everyone else, but because she was deemed too sexy because of her shape. And this did a number on her self-esteem and made her choose clothes to be able to hide in. After several hours of talking, eating, drinking, and enjoying the live band, we're starting to wrap things up when suddenly a bald gentleman 
just sits down right in front of us and wants to start talking. And we glanced at each other, surprised, but since she knew I was doing this seven-day challenge and being more open to talking to new men and that she's supposed to be my wing woman for the night, we settled back down in our chairs for a bit to see where this was going. It was kind of awkward at first in how he was talking to us. So in an attempt to be kind and aid in the flow of conversation, I asked about his job and work. And he said that he's in wireless. And I was like, oh, that's cool and interesting, thinking he's in technology because he presented it that way. And I asked for more details. But then he kind of starts hedging in his choice of words and then says he does the hidden aspects of them. And I'm thinking, does he mean like wireless security or like how wireless towers are hidden by fake trees sometimes? And yep. Turns out he totally meant the fake tree thing, although he said that they make much better looking ones. And I laughed and said, that's a good thing, because the ones I've seen over the years are pretty sketchy looking trees. Then he made a joke about feeling like he needed to stop by because he had walked past us a bunch of times earlier in the evening. And he said, I may have lost my friends because I think they left already, but I felt like I needed to talk to you. And I said with a laugh, oh, well, maybe you felt us shooting our sexual energy which he did not acknowledge at all. I mean, Jessica laughed, but that's kind of funny and frankly odd. He just kind of seemed to be very much in his own head. And then he asked what we do. So I give him a brief description of my background as a sociologist and my specialty area in sex, intimacy, and relationships. And then Jessica said how she's a director and a nonprofit and the kind of work that she does in research and training. And then he looks at me and asks, oh, what part of it? Before the marriage or after the marriage? And I said, well, hopefully all parts of it that folks are working on so that you do this work early enough and then don't end up married to someone you shouldn't be. And he replied, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. Whatever that means. There was definitely something weird about it. His vibe was kind of like a bad salesman. I mean, I genuinely respect that he had the nerve to talk to us, but he didn't seemed to know how to have an actual, meaningful, connected conversation with us. And then he said, so, are you both married? And I said, no, I'm single, and I live alone. And then he asked if we have kids, and I said no. And he turned to Jessica and asked the same. And when she said no, he said, oh, and you guys are the experts? Which he said in a really condescending way. We genuinely had not presented ourselves in any kind of snobby or arrogant way, We just gave a sentence or two about our jobs in a matter-of-fact way. But then he said, I have two daughters. I know this stuff. And to him, I said, genuinely, oh, yeah? And then I turned to Jessica and said, yep, this is my whole professional lifetime. The kind of shit I deal with with men who tell me what I need to know. Like, I literally said that. And again, he did not acknowledge that comment that I made. It was like he was talking at us and couldn't really take us in as two full humans in front of him? At this point, I visualized all my sexual energy coming back into my vagina and vulva. Yep, sucked it back in because I'm not sharing any of this with him. I blocked that shit down. I realized that I didn't have to close my heart, though. And I didn't have to be rude back, but I could make a clear decision that he was not getting any sexual energy from me. And because I chose to keep my heart open... I got it in the moment that he was intimidated and felt like he needed to prove himself to us. But it was just so condescending, obnoxious, and off-putting 
genuinely rude how he presented it. It was shockingly rude. So at this point, Jessica and I are both sitting back with our arms folded over our chests. But we both feel like we needed to be nice so that he didn't think we were bitches and say nasty shit to us, which is so fucking unfair. So I asked something nice about his daughters and their ages, because like I said earlier, I can always learn something new by hearing someone's stories. But he circled back to making this statement. But I would never argue with you two about these things because you're the experts on these kinds of things. And truly, if I wasn't on this seven-day challenge to try things differently, I would have happily argued with him because he was being such a douche canoe. And by the way, shout out to Tara, who I went to middle school and high school with, for the excellent term douche canoe, which I've reclaimed the term douche and now douche canoe, and I use it as a derogatory term towards men who are smarmy and have their heads up their asses so much that it's like they're riding a canoe down a river of douches, which has nothing to do with women's bodies or vaginas and everything to do with the BS commercialism and marketing and advertising that makes women feel insecure about their vaginas and sexuality. Anyway, I wasn't going to do that kind of confrontation this evening, though. Neither of us were. So I said, well, hopefully nobody is arguing and we're just having a discussion. And Jessica was like, yeah, everyone is here to learn and grow. At some point, he was fishing around with his languaging and asked if we both worked in Hillcrest. So Hillcrest is the gay area of San Diego, because I guess he was trying to figure out if we were lesbians. He was just so smarmy. It didn't feel like he was trying to connect with us, human to human. Like that everyday intimacy stuff I've experienced and talk about a bunch today. This really did not feel like everyday intimacy at all even though Jessica and I were given the opportunity for it and even trying to facilitate it. I had way more meaningful connections today with a woman from Michigan in line from the bathroom when I was at lunch or the dad with the two kids watching the beach volleyball tournament. (sighs) Instead of just enjoying an interaction with each other, it's like he was trying to get something from us. No, it's not quite right. It, It really is like he needed to prove himself and make himself feel good, I think. Then, as we were finally getting up, he said that he, again, had thought he lost his friends and that that was his ride, and he was telling us where he needs to go. And as he's starting to call an Uber, he says, uh, is, is one of you going in this direction? Are you fucking kidding me? He's trying to get a goddamn ride from us? And we're like, no, we're actually going to pee right now, and then we're going to talk about the rest of the evening because we don't know what we're doing. And he says, oh, something was just not right with him. And as we're leaving, he asks, well, can I get your numbers? And I said, nah, I think we're okay. And normally I feel bad about this, but I didn't because he was not nice and not respectful. And he wasn't actually trying to get to know us. Yet somehow I'm sure that in his retelling of all of this to his friends, we're going to be the bitches. Jessica and I went to the bathroom, shaking our heads, ruefully laughing. And she asks, that was weird, right? And I said, yeah, even the guy last night that was kind of a dick about me eating all of my dessert was still not that. 